This by far was the biggest ocean conditions and wind conditions that I've ever been in. How hard would you train if you know your life depends on it or somebody else's life depends on it? From Boston 25 News, this is First on Scene, a podcast about the people who run toward danger, about those who become heroes in our darkest hour. Thanks for joining us for this episode of First on Scene, where we talk with the first responders who make a real difference in our time of need. We typically think of the police officers or firefighters or paramedics at the typical scenes that we see on television, but there are many more out there who we don't always think about until we see it in action. And joining me today here in our podcast studio at Boston 25 News, Petty Officer Second Class Mike Kelly with the U.S. Coast Guard. Thanks so much for being here today. We appreciate it. No problem. And you have a very formal title, but you are, at the end of the day, a rescue swimmer. I'm a rescue swimmer, yep. These are the people who jump out of helicopters <laughs> into the ocean in all kinds of conditions to save people. Is that how you'd sum it up? Or how do you tell friends? Yeah, I mean, I think most of the time we do sewing and uh, life support <laughs> equipment management, but we do get to jump out of helicopters and do some fun stuff as well. Yeah, when, when you're doing it, it's pretty dramatic. And that's why you're here today, to talk about a recent call you all had up in Maine. So what was the initial call? Uh, the initial call that uh, I received from my shop was a boat taking on water 60 nautical miles offshore. So they usually keep those pretty brief. Um, we get a text from the uh, aircraft commander letting us know what they think we may need. We get our stuff ready and then go meet. And uh, as soon as we met, we were updated with uh, they were getting in their life raft, 20-foot uh, swells, 50 to 60 knot wind, so it was pretty big. It, was, it seemed like a calm day on the Cape. It was sunny for us, but then... Uh, Up in Maine, it was something different. It was a little bit different, correct. So when you say 20-foot swells, to me, that sounds like a very big deal. <laughs> How about to you? Um, I think, yeah, it is, it is a big deal. We, you don't get to see it very often, so when you do see it, um, it is kind of... I guess on inspiring you don't you don't really see it very often and then from the helicopter when you see it usually we're flying at 500 feet so it doesn't look that big from the helicopter as well it just looks like waves so you flew up there from in your helicopter in the coast guard helicopter from cape cod correct to maine to and maine. how long did that take about uh, i think it took a little over an hour for us to get there it was Good super trip. windy so um a really choppy ride so when you got on scene what do you remember about seeing it? Um, I didn't see the life raft until I got into the door of the helicopter. So our co-pilot saw the life raft. Um, we started making a plan and kind of figuring out what we were going to do. I started getting my gear ready. And from my seat, I could not see the life raft until I scooted in the door. And my first thought was, whoa, these are 20-foot swells. They didn't look 20 feet from 500 feet in the air. And uh, this is serious. <clears throat> and then after that, you kind of just click into what you're going to do to get them out of there. Do you ever get nervous doing this? Um, I think I get more excited than nervous. I yeah. think nervous on the way out there trying to figure out what's going to happen. Um, not nervous in the crew's capabilities or right. my capabilities, but more just are we going to be able to help these people and, and what's going on. So you open up the doors. You look down. You said you're about 500 feet up. Um, when we opened the door, we, we were in about a 30, 40-foot hover Okay, and at that point. So what do you do at that point? What was the, what was the plan at that point? The plan was to um, put me in the water 
upswell from the raft. So if that, so the wind is blowing one way, the waves are going one way, and uh, the original plan was to put me in a position that the waves would take me into the raft as I'm swimming towards it. And uh, we kind of made some contingency plans really quick. I have a radio that I can talk to the crew from, but it was, um, I feel like you have a basic plan and you try to work from there. The less details you try to, uh, to interject into the situation, the smoother I think it goes. So you open up the doors and you're looking at the 20 foot swells. You jump in? Right. Uh, I'm, I was lowered in. So uh, there's a couple different ways they can put us in. And the way that we decided to do it was we have a rescue device called a strop. So basically what I do is uh, I loop the strop around me and hold onto it. And um, in the larger sea situation, that gives me a quicker exit. So I'm not clipped into the cable. Um, I'm just holding on to the strop and I can let go of it whenever I want. So um, the flight mech tries to put me on the backside of a wave if he can, and I try to drop out as soon as I think it's safe. This sounds like, I mean, I know you, you train for this and this is what you all plan to do, but this sounds really difficult to do. Um, I don't I think it's fun, <laughs> but, uh, I, we, we train a lot, you know, and right. I think the, the training is the hard part and, uh, you make the training situations hard. So when you get in this situation, then it's just, uh, you're doing your job. It takes over. Right. So you get, you get lowered down and Correct. you get in the water and what's it like at that point? Um, well, it was, I think 50 to 60 knot wind. So as I was getting lowered down, I started off close to the raft, if that makes sense. And th these winds are blowing the raft away from us. So the helicopter can't really spend all their time chasing this raft around. So I got put in the, uh, in the water, located the raft. And, um, I think it was maybe 75, hundred yards away from me when I got into the water. And with the 20 foot swells, you see the raft and then you don't see the raft and you see it and then you don't see it, if that makes sense, because you're in the trough when they're on the crest and it kind of goes back and forth. And so um, you can tell which way the wind is blowing because you can see the wind blowing off the top of the wave. So I just knew I was going to start swimming in that direction in the last place that I saw the raft. And uh, I could quickly see the raft was moving faster than I was because the wind was blowing it. Wow. So it started off at 75 to 100, what would I say, yards or so, yeah. meters, and then it moved away quickly. So it was one of those situations where I need to decide if I'm just going to try to sprint and make it to the raft or if I need to have be repositioned. And uh, I figured the longer um, the longer the evolution, evolution took, the uh, higher likelihood of something bad happening. So I just tried to start making it towards the raft. How hard was that? It was hard. I, I, was, I was swimming as fast as I could to get to it. And uh, at times, it seemed like the raft was getting closer, and then a gust would pick up, and the raft would uh, move away. And you're swimming in these 20-foot swells trying to get 75 to 100 yards away. Right. That yep. sounds tough. <laughs> it w yeah, you know, I guess you don't really think of it. You just sure. have you kind of fixated on the raft and trying to figure out uh, if the wave is going to break on you and what's going on. So at that moment, you're just doing your job, I guess. About how long did it take you to, to actually reach the lifeboat, life raft? Oh, man. I think it seemed like it took me longer than it actually did take me. Maybe a minute and a half, two oh, minutes. Wow. It's impressive. <laughs> so it just, and then I, I did get, at one point, the raft had a, uh, a line connected to it, the line that was originally connected to the boat that broke when they uh, got on the raft. And so when I got closer to the raft, I could see that line in the water. So at that point, I didn't really have to look for anything. I could just see the line in the water and try to follow that line. And I think that kind of, 
is what saved me a lot of work because I was about 50, 60 feet out from the raft. Wow. So as soon as I got to that line, I could dive down and grab it and then the uh, know the raft wasn't going to get too far away from me if I could hold on to that. So let's back up a step. There were four fishermen on their boat initially. Correct. Do you know what happened with their boat? I don't. Um, when we got the call, they they said that they were getting into the raft. And when I got to our brief, they said that they were in the raft. And uh, they had told us that they had gotten to the raft. Um, the line that was connected to the boat had not broke yet. So the boat was sinking and starting to pull the raft down with them. Wow. And so they all got out of the raft, which blows my mind. Wow. And then the line broke, and they were able to get back into it. That's crazy. That is, yeah, it's pretty... That right there kind of blew my mind. I was surprised they got back into the raft. Like they were actually able to get back into it? Correct, yeah. So people listening might might think, why would they abandon this boat initially and get into the lifeboat, the, the raft, and then get into the water? Why why would some of this happen? Do you know? Um, let's see here. Fishing boat was... Oh, the fishing boat was taking on water, right. So it's, with the waves that big, uh, it doesn't take very much for... Um, something wrong to happen and i have no clue right. what happened with the boat but the boat was taking on water and it, it seemed to be taking on water quickly there was a, a key element to all this they were wearing some life-saving suits when they got in the water they just didn't jump into the water in their street clothes correct yeah they they did everything right from from that from the point where i knew what was going on until we saw them so they have suits called mustang suits which are um typically buoyant and they keep them warm so they put those on and uh they had an epurb which sends a signal to let us know where they are and so they tuck that in their suit as well so that gives them every chance of survival right there so you're swimming toward them in that minute and a half or so you reach them they're in the raft at this point right correct what is their condition and what are they what, what do you remember about when you first made contact with them um, I reached the raft and was trying to catch my breath and kind of figure out what was going on. The raft was completely full of water and uh, gusts of wind were catching the raft and kind of tipping it back. So I think my first concern was not to get caught in that raft tipping over and trying to get those guys out as quick as I could. Um, you have to assess the situation, see how they're doing. They all seem to be in pretty good spirits for the most part. Um, I feel like they were more concerned with me swimming in the water than they were being in the raft at the time. They were happy to see me, and I was happy to see them. How much time do you think you had left with them until things could have gotten worse? Do you have any idea or any um, sense to really kind of illustrate it for us? She, I have no clue. Yeah. I, I don't know how stable the raft was. I think if the raft tip up, tipped over, then it would have been an immediate Bad. situation where they had to, had to get out. But uh, So at that point, you reach them, raft is taking on a lot of water. Um, the helicopter is still hovering somewhat close to you, right? Correct. What happens at that point? Um, I contact the helicopter through my radio and let them know that we found all four survivors are in there. Um, they said there is nobody, uh, nobody else left, so it was just the four of them there. Um, and I requested a basket recovery, which was kind of what we talked about. And... Uh, I was still out of breath, so I didn't want to talk to them very much. It was just kind of simple um, simple communi communication, and then it was hand signals from there on out. And so, I, yeah, I talked to the guys into, in the raft, and we made a quick little plan, and that was it. And so 
you they get hoisted up what one at a time, two at a time. How does that work? Uh, one at a time. So um, I think two of them said that they weren't uh, comfortable swimming all too much, and so those are the two that you want to get out as quick as you can. Um, I think the captain was one of them, but he he said he was going to be the last person out. So you take the guy that uh, said he's not comfortable swimming and. Uh, as soon as I pulled him, I signal for the basket. The helicopter starts to lower the basket down. And uh, as soon as I pulled him out of the raft and started towing him, the raft took off with the wind. I was holding onto the raft the whole time. So the raft just moved away. Um, the helicopter put the basket down. We put the gentleman in the basket and uh, up he goes. And then I've got to go catch the raft again. Wow. How hard was that? That, I think uh, when you know that there are four survivors, the second and third one are the hardest one because you know you still have a, a lot to go. So um, I was looking for the line in that water. to uh, That was kind of my focus point. I, once I reached that line, I was okay. But there's a lot of work. You know, I, the way you describe it, it sounds like a ton of work. And how um, physically fit do you have to be for this? And how mentally fit do you have to be for something like this? Uh, physically, I think... I think something that we think about a lot in our shop, we, we work out quite a bit in our shop and we, we swim quite a bit in our shop. And I think our mindset is uh, how hard would you train if you know your life depends on it or somebody else's life depends on it. And I think that allows us to go to another level training because most people are training to be fit, um, training for other reasons, to compete or whatever. But I think when your life depends on it or when somebody else's life depends on it, uh, the level is a bit different for training. And then... Uh, the mental aspect is, I think that's kind of hard to, hard to explain, but you learn to trust your crew, which I had an amazing crew. Everybody was doing a great job, and you trust your training back in, uh, back in school that you went through. Because the four fishermen, they were, were they relatively calm during all this? They were the calmest <laughs> I've ever seen, which, which blew my mind as well. Really? So, I mean, we've pulled up on cases where uh, – it ha seas haven't been this bad, and people are panicked, which oh, is, I'm sure. is definitely understandable. I mean, people lose their boat. That's their life, and uh, they're panicked. These guys are very calm. I always think about the people like in hurricane coverage when, when you all are rescuing people in hurricanes from the tops of their homes or wherever, and I think about these people who are being hoisted up in a basket and how scary that must be, but that's really the only answer. You know, how do you help calm that for people who, you know, one, you're there to save them. They've been through tragedy already, but now they're going to be hoisted up in the air with a huge helicopter hovering above them. How do you talk someone through that, that this is going to be okay? Um, I think something that we tell our guys that we're training to be swimmers that are getting ready to go to school, and uh, it's even maybe on a plaque at our schoolhouse, is the attitude at which you enter the pool or the mm. attitude at which you enter the water. So... Um, they feed off you. Right. So if I, if, if I, if I roll up to this uh, raft looking panicked and looking like we're all going to die, then that transfers over pretty quickly. But if I roll up to the raft in control, everybody know everything's going to be okay and we're going to take care of the situation, then I think they have confidence in the helicopter there and what they're doing and what I'm doing. And um, Yeah, if you make it look like no big deal swimming in 20-foot swells, 100 yards, <laughs> everybody's right. going to be fine, right? Right, yeah, yeah. So you get them up in the, in the helicopter. What, what happens at that point? You're the last one, obviously, in the water. Right. So I get them up, and uh, then, it's, then it's the crew's job to get me out of the <laughs> water. And so uh, 
first thing we do is go take care of the raft. So we can't have a, an inflated raft floating around the ocean because somebody else is going to call that in. So we get the serial number off the raft and we um, deflate that raft so it's not floating around and nobody thinks that somebody else is, uh, is in that raft. And then uh, I signal for them to come pick me up, which is a relief. <laughs> I, I <laughs> that, bet it that's is. That's when it's time to relax for a second. I, I saw the video that you all have on board where you're hoisting up these fishermen and they get on and they just seem so exhausted at that point or just relieved. I'm not sure which one it is. They just sit back and ah, almost. Right, yeah. Um, well, the for one thing, these Mustang suits keep them pretty warm, but uh, these were, they were pretty big guys, large guys. Yeah. So um, they're one size fits most. And, and the guys had... Uh, actually ripped their Mustang suits. So there were holes and water was going into there. So they weren't working 100% the way they should. So they were pretty cold, I think. And uh, once once they're out of that environment, I think it gives people a, um, a moment to relax mentally and physically. And uh, so we're up there, we cut in the bottom of the suit to drain out all the cold water. And uh, it was warm in the helicopter. And I think we all knew where we were going. Those fishermen, amazing we're doing okay right yeah and no injuries and nope no no injuries they they're 100 percent recovery zero problems uh uh yeah all, all in good condition one one uh one gentleman had a small little lacerate laceration on his cheek but uh that's amazing that wasn't it? i don't think nobody was really concerned with that it wasn't bleeding and that was the least of our concern once they're in that situation you know the way you talk about this and obviously you're very calm about this, this is what you do every single day and and from an outsider standpoint, you want someone in that kind of position who is relaxed, calm, and, and knows what to do in this kind of scenario. How does this call, how did it compare to other things you've seen in your career? You're 36 years old, Correct. so you've, you've seen some things. You've seen some calls. Uh, right, yeah, so I think um, every rescue swimmer going through school wants the opportunity to have this situation nobody wants right. we don't want anybody to be in that situation right. but, but if uh, it's going to happen if it's you, going to happen right. we all we all want that. to be going out on that call so um this by far was the biggest um ocean conditions and wind conditions that i've ever been in uh the survivor it, but the easiest survivor condition i've ever had really so that's they were they were super relaxed um since some of their mustang suits were cut they were they weren't floating as well, so they're starting to sink when we were um, towing them to the basket. So that was a bit difficult, but they remain calm. And I think um, if everybody remains calm in the situation, it makes it a lot easier to do our job. And, and the crew was was amazing. I've uh, you have very little opportunities to train in those environments. So we have training up in Oregon that we get to go through, and a lot of times when we're training in Oregon with that, it's everybody who hasn't been in that situation. So it's a, it's a big learning process and uh, everybody was amazing. I, I mean, when you, when you can trust that your flight mechanic's going to be amazing and put the basket where you need it and the pilot's gonna hover steady and everybody's gonna do their job, then it makes a difficult situation easy to do. I can't imagine the choreography it takes in a scenario like this. So did, did you learn anything in this call? Oh wow! Well, I think there's there's always. I mean, it sounds like it went right. great. You know, it yeah. went the way it should. But yeah, did you? you know is there anything you took away and said, if this happens again, I'd do it this way, or I know what to expect next time? 
Um, I think from a, from a crew standpoint, uh, I, we, I think we would all have done it the same way. I know it was a lot of swimming for me, and as a shop, we discussed putting me in a different spot in the water, but uh, putting me where the raft would, would come into me instead of me having to swim to the raft. But uh, that's a situation that you can't control when nature is blowing something into you and it becomes a dangerous situation quickly. So that's not a situation um, I want to be in. I sure. think maybe the... I guess a, a humorous lesson in this situation is when I went back to go pop the rafts. We have we have a uh, we have a knife and sure. um, those ra- rafts are inflated, and I was just happy to be at the raft. I grabbed onto it and rested for a second. Took my knife out and popped the raft right in front of me, and not realizing that three thousand psi is going to be blowing in my face when I did that. So, I mean, <laughs> you feel it, don't you? Right. Yeah. So. <laughs> If I ever have to do that again, I'll, I'll pop the raft away from my face, which is kind of a funny thing that you don't really think about. You just, right? You know, you just are there to pop the raft, and everything else is fully thought out. And I'm just trying to relax and get get the rest of this case done. And uh, that's pretty amazing. That's a funny lesson. You know, from the flip side, you know, obviously, we live in a community where there's a lot of water, and as the summer months come, you guys get busier, and there's more of a risk of things like this happening. Um, what kind of is, is the biggest takeaway for someone who's listening to this, who may be a boater, who maybe goes out on the water a lot to stay calm? Is that the biggest thing that you recommend of people if they're ever caught in a situation where they need help? Uh, I think that's, that's one of them. If they're in the situation, I think the massive takeaway from this is that these boaters, um, had the equipment on their boat that they needed to, for that situation, the EPIRB and their Mustang suits and the raft and, I think ultimately that is what saved their life. So life vests, all the safety equipment that um, that is required or um, recommended, these guys uh, had. They knew how to use it, and uh, they used it, and that's what saved their life. Um, and then once once you move on from that, then staying calm is is probably the next lesson. Well, it's amazing to hear you describe what happened. It, it makes me nervous thinking about, you know, when you first popped in the water and what that was like, because you gave a really good visual image of those swells of seeing the raft and then not seeing it and then realizing you have to swim through all that pretty quickly to get to them. It's pretty amazing. And I, I know you probably sit back, you're pretty humble about it, but thank you so much for what you do. I know those four fishermen certainly appreciate it, but everyone in our community certainly appreciates it too. Oh, sure. I enjoy my job. <laughs> and, it, and it shows. Petty Officer Kelly, thanks so much for being here today. We do appreciate it. And thank you to all the men and women in the United States Coast Guard who are constantly doing such amazing things that people truly never hear about. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time for First on Scene. First on Scene is a production of Boston 25 News. It's hosted by me, Blair Miller. The show is produced and edited by Dalton Maine. And music is provided by Killer Tracks. Special thanks this episode to Petty Officer Mike Kelly and Petty Officer Nicole Grawl. And thanks to all those who just keep swimming. Let us know what you think of the show. You can send us an email to firstonscene at boston25.com. And you can help others find our show by rating, reviewing, or subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks so much for listening.